When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenson, joined as always by Raj Giri and Chris Calicut. Today our guests, Court Bauer, joining us for the first half to talk about the WWE, his time there, and other stuff in the world of professional wrestling. And we got Jesse Collings for the second half. We're going to talk about SmackDown Live for July 25th, 2017. Uh, Raj, how's it going, man? Doing good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Chris, good to see you. Absolutely. Good to be here, guys. Cool. And so with that said, Raj, I turn it over to you and let's start with talking to Court Bauer. Hey, Court, man. How have you been? Great. Very good. Been a busy summer for us, but uh, having a lot of fun. And what a great summer it's been for wrestling fans from Great Balls of Fire, which was a really fun show. And of course, the return of the Punjabi prison match, which I was right. there for the first one. The inception <laughs> of that hideous monstrosity and uh then the g1 and uh just a lot of good things going on in wrestling this summer we're really lucky with everything cooking i mean there's too much good it's hard to keep up yeah yeah i mean if uh especially non-wwe stuff it's stuff it's on fire right now um you know new New japan is probably more popular than it ever has been in the u.s i mean i'm actually i'm probably definitely more popular than it ever has been um yeah. So, and now you you've got your show coming up. You're back to, back in the uh, promoting wrestling business. How's that going? Just one time, one night, one time, <laughs> one time, one, one, shot. one shot. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have it in me for more than one show because promoting is not easy. Or, uh, I mean, I'll tell you this though. I've been very fortunate uh, to work with. A, I have a great team I'm working with behind the scenes and Alex Greenfield, MSL. Uh, Jamie Iovine, Robert Karpolis, uh, George Carroll, who works for New Japan as well. He we just announced yesterday he'll be involved. And it's great because we're all friends. And the talent, are they're, they're fantastic. Shane Strickland, Ricochet, and a lot of guys I can't mention quite yet. It's just been a real thrill to work with them. They're, they're so, they're, 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 they got the do-yourself thing. They are such professionals, and they're so media savvy. I'm spoiled. They're making my job easy. Back in the day, the culture when I originally promoted uh, 2002 to 2004, it was so different. And I'd say, frankly, it was kind of toxic. And the guys today, it is they've changed the business and they put it in such a positive direction behind the scenes, in the locker room culture, but also reviving the business at a lot of different levels. And so it's a thrill just to celebrate the, ta- the talent out there and showcase them, which is what we're all about on October 5th. I'm really excited for it. Nice. Well, very cool. Um, well, I want to talk more about the MLW one shot here in a little bit. I, I also want to ask you just about this week in mm-hmm. WWE. You had a, yeah. a kind of a universally panned pay-per-view on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, a kind of a nothing Monday night raw on Monday. And then they come back and uh, pretty much everyone loves SmackDown last night. Um, what do you know about the creative team right now? It, you know, there has been a lot of blame put on Road Dog. Um, people are saying Ryan Ward uh, is now on is now just on Raw, whereas uh, Road Dog is saying that he still works with Ryan Ward. Have you have you heard anything about that? No, but you know the other thing is it's you can't 
just solely put the criticism or the praise on one individual um, because it's a creative process. There's a creative team there. And for the better or for worse, that's how that process works. And then ultimately, Vince will give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And that's how it works. That's how it works today. And I don't, I'm not going to get into is, is the merits of it versus other processes, but I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, but it's a hard job. Rodon puts himself out there on social media, and he'll. He, it's. I mean, listen. He may disagree with you, but I like that he he gives you access to him to debate it. And I think that's that's not a bad thing. Um, and and, and then when you do the volume of WWE product that they do, I mean, think of how many hours they just put out this week when you include main event NXT, all the product they're putting out there. It's hard to bat a thousand, let alone you know, bat two fifty on, on that. I mean, it's a lot of product, and when you book a match like the Punjabi Prison, you're probably you know kind of boxing yourself into a corner or into a bamboo corner maybe, because uh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough nut to crack. It really is. Having done that one, that is not an easy uh, gimmick. I don't know who suggested it, but oh boy. Uh, I was just about to ask you that because we had Sean Dabari uh, here uh, a few weeks ago who was talking about, you know, being a part of that first Punjabi prison or yeah. you know, behind the scenes. And uh, so you don't know who came up with that idea. The original idea or the, yeah. no, yes, I do. Uh, and I can get into that whole story if you want, sure. but I don't know who pitched bringing it back. That's what I was referring to. Uh, the original idea actually uh, was rooted in my pitch uh, in 2006 in the spring of 2006, to bring the exploding death match, made famous in <laughs> IWA Japan and FMW, to the States because it's one of the rare things WWE had never touched. And SmackDown needed a shot in the arm. We needed a specialty match. We needed something a little different. Uh, and we had some good brawlers. And I thought, well, we can build to something with this. And... Uh, we, we were just we we're just talking out loud, and, and he turned down war games. He always does, always will. And I said, "Well, what about this?" And I, I had a whole presentation. It wasn't just off the cuff. I, I showed him footage. I had a whole packet, a whole real pitch put together for this. And Vince thought about it, and he said, "Let's do it." And there we started on our path to the exploding death match coming into WWE and the WWE universe for what was tracking to be the summer of 2006. Uh, we then turned to Kevin Dunn, who handles that uh, those logistics on the TV operations, and they were they're actually responsible, or were responsible during my time, for handling the cages, the rings, all that stuff. They housed the, they had a warehouse full of this stuff. And so if you needed a certain type, say if you wanted to do a Lions Den match or something random like that, he would be able to get that all taken care of for you. So we put it in his hands, and Kevin does a – he gets criticized a lot. And I'm not going to get into the merits of you know, some of the criticism is accurate, some of it isn't. But he, he has a lot on his plate as, the, as overseeing the head of uh, – or overseeing TV operations. It's not an easy job. And uh, yet somehow, for some reason, we uh, – we, we thought it would be, we'd, be, we'd be set on this, and we kept following up, and we were getting these vague answers, and ultimately, uh, we didn't really, we didn't see anything. We weren't seeing mock-ups or anything. We weren't getting any status updates. It was all quiet on that front. And again, Kevin really does a great job. If you look at the production and the editing, the video packages, 
all the logos and signage you see for events, he, they do an amazing job. They really do. And he's got a great department. He really does. But this is one of those times where they just something didn't go right. And we're getting closer and closer to revealing that this is going to be something we're, we're going to do and we want to shoot the actual ring and show some explosives and, sh and put it in a uh, in an empty arena or something just to show some B-roll of it when we reveal it. And we haven't publicly announced it, but we're just about at the cusp. And ultimately, Kevin sends us the final product, not mock-ups, the final product. It's built. And it looks like a set piece from Indiana Jones at the Temple of Doom. I don't know what – maybe like a play set. Some poor child will get killed on. But <laughs> unanimously across the board in the writer's room, Jaws dropped. And we're all looking at this thing and doing double takes. I remember Dusty Rhodes taking his granny glasses and pulling them from the edge of his nose close up top to his – right to his eyes to make sure he was seeing what he thought he was seeing. And he was like, babe, it looks like Lincoln Logs. And uh, I thought to myself, unless the bamboo explodes, which would be a public hazard, this this is mutated into something rather perverse, and it is not what we uh, had pitched Vince. And usually, when you have Vince, uh, when you pitch Vince on something, uh, and he gives you the green light, that's lock, sealed, and delivered. Going to happen for whatever reason, and I never got a real answer. Either there was a Kevin just wanted to do something different, or I don't know. Something was somehow lost in translation. It ended up doing. We ended up doing this this bizarre concept, which the creative team had no idea was going to happen. And now it was a totally different thing. It wasn't going to explode. It wasn't a real death match. I mean, for fans, it was in, a, in the worst sense. Uh, and I'll tell you this: I remember the talent really didn't have a chance to really get to check it out and go through the match. And of course, we had a few detours because of wellness issues that popped up that, that summer, which were like false positives or something. Um, and so the night before that Great American Bash 2006, the talent finally got to go over their match and try to figure out how to navigate this cumbersome thing. And I remember seeing Michael Hayes come back to the hotel Saturday night. It was Michael Hayes was the Asian. Uh, and you had Big Show and Taper. And I swear to God, I saw those three walk through the lobby looking. I've seen people leave funerals more upbeat than they looked. I mean, the look on their faces was not, they, weren't, they knew this was trouble. And uh, thus, the Punjabi prison was born. Alex Greenfield named it the Punjabi prison because, well, that's the best name really I could think of for something like that. We, you're, doing, you're doing some sort of sentence both as a wrestler and as a viewer when you have to uh, be subjected to that thing. But it's a hard match. It's hard for the talent. It's in, uh, this past week, I think, with Kali coming out was kind of uh, poetic. And it, it was some sort of distraction at the end just to, you know, I, the match was long for me. But just to get you uh, to have some sort of uh, surprise. I had joked on, uh, to a friend saying, well, maybe, you know, the way you get out of this is you have a uh, – a Kali in a box because the rule of wrestling is anything in a box gets over. Lo and behold, there was Kali. He wasn't in a box, but he was there. <laughs> um, so when you were talking about the deathmatch idea, mm -hmm. was it always uh, to be between Kali and Undertaker, or did you guys have different talent in mind for the for that match? Um, for the deathmatch, yes. It was going to be uh, different talent. I can't recall off the top of my head. It was going to be top-level talent. I just can't. Re I can't remember who was in the. Uh, I'd have to look back at my notes. I kept all my notes, but I just can't recall who we were 
precisely looking at. Gotcha. Um, are you surprised that they brought it back twice? Because one thing that's a killer right off the bat is you can't see if you're there live. You got the two cages, which you know totally obstructs your view, and then they don't put it on the screen, which makes no sense. Um, which I, I don't know if that's a production thing. They think it's distracting for the people that watching on pay-per-view and on the network. But uh, it just seems like a bonehead idea to not allow the people that are there live to see what's going on. I mean, I felt like that's part of what really killed it uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, and we live in a day and age where you have GoPros and all these great advanced cameras, and uh, you can thread. You, I mean, listen, you can you can easily uh, thread wire through those GoPros and have them set up all over the cage, and they're very small. You wouldn't even see them because, I mean, the bamboo in itself, you, it's not like you're going through even metal. It's, it's really easy to thread a, a wire through there, cable cord. Right. Um, and it's something that Survivor does. If you ever watch the show Survivor, when they do the obstacles, there's all types of cameras getting destroyed, but it gets you that great shot. So there's definitely ways to patch in cameras, and to your point, yeah, there's, 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 there's opportunity there, yet they have not, uh, for whatever reason, gone there. I don't know. Yeah. And during your time there, you were there when uh, Rey Mysterio won the World Heavyweight Championship and yes. uh, was subsequently buried for like a month or two. Um, so are you, uh, it's kind of funny now, you know, Mysterio being a free agent in WWE uh, wants it. I guess it's not funny. I mean, it makes sense. He was a huge star. But do you think uh, with Rey Mysterio being a free agent right now, which company do you think would use him better, Global Force or WWE? Oh, well, I, I think they would both be very motivated to use him because of his the opportunities he brings. They both need um, someone that can help connect across the board. And Ray works uh, in terms of the demographics. You look at kids across the board. He's the ageless superhero to them. Uh, it opens doors to Mexico and Latin America for global force slash impact slash anthem slash owl whatever um, it, it, I mean it, it, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity also when you think about everything going on with their situation with Alberto it gives them a chance to pivot and and now focus on someone else uh, as a top Latin star which you know is always a good thing and if Alberto comes back then maybe there's some opportunity then to do something with Alberto even with Ray I don't know but for WWE uh, there's a great opportunity because he can be an ambassador to South America, which was something they had designs on using for. He can help uh, in the performance center. He can help uh, be a special attraction. I, I think the days of him working a full schedule are probably behind him. But uh, at the same time, I think there's a lot of merit to Ray in the WWE world. It, it would give uh, WWE 2K19 a nice shot in the arm to have him maybe involved. Uh, I, I think Ray would make obviously more money at WWE, uh, but it's all about the dates, the money, the opportunity, cash and creative, all those things kind of have to converge and, and make it the right moment, right opportunity for him. But I, I, looking back, you know, was it the right move to leave WWE a few years ago and go to Lucha Underground? Only Ray can answer that. Uh, but I, I think a larger audience is missing Ray and they haven't seen Ray in a long time. So it'd be cool to see him on either, either show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, a couple of people are suggesting that he'd be brought into the cruiserweight division. That seems like that'd be a complete waste. Of well, it, he's, you know, and as he gets older, it's harder to do that style. It's really harder to do that style. 
he's a legend. I mean, he could be the legend of the division, but he can't he can't go at that level. I mean, just physically, it's it's really hard, and it's really hard for a lot of guys as cutting edge state of the art wrestlers to age gracefully. It's really hard, and Ray has done a great job because I think his his persona is forever over, and I think he'll be fine. But when you kind of almost lock him into one category, that's where it's really not it's not advantageous for Ray and for the investment in Ray. Yeah. Was there a time when you were with WWE, was there an angle that you really wanted to do that, that never got to see the light of day? Um, well, I mean, talking about the cruiserweight division, uh, that was one thing that, uh, we had, uh, high hopes for and, uh, we were going to reboot it. And my idea was let's call it the junior division. Uh, which was going to be short for the junior heavyweight division. And, again, that was another classic Bauer packet uh, and presentation for Vince. And it had 12 names in it, and those names included guys like Mystico. And, again, this is 2006 when Mystico was just selling out Arena Mexico every Friday night. You had some guys from Dragon's Gate, Tor Human, and uh, guys like Milano Collection AT, and uh, a real good collection of junior heavyweights and Vince loved the idea. I said, listen, well, the cruiserweight division is just dead because it's just never been properly used. So let's, let's repackage it, give it a, a new paint of coat, a uh, new coat of paint, I should say. And, and let's put some new talent in there, give it an international flavor. Cause that was when Vince was really starting to eye the international world uh, in terms of the markets and opportunities out there. And that, that was when he was thinking about going and doing territories in China and Europe and, and having uh like a little like territory setup where they just run local shows. So I said, this is, this, this is a good bridge to that. Uh, and then he signed off on that and inexplicably talent relations run by John Laurinaitis at the time, uh, signed midgets and super porky. I loved having super porky, always a huge fan, but, uh, that was not the idea. And so sometimes in WWE people blame the writing team, even Vince and it's, it's not always the case. You can say maybe it's passive aggressiveness, maybe it's uh, dysfunction, maybe it's just some someone just uh, doesn't interpret what you're asking them to do properly. Communication failure. That's a big operation. Now it's really big, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But uh, in the end, I think uh, that term of an idea ultimately may have turned out okay if we'd gone down that road. But I think it didn't touch what they did last summer, which was the Cruiserweight Classic. I loved the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, it exceeded anything I could have conjured up back, you know, many years ago. Uh, and I think it was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the May Young uh, tournament later uh, this summer. Hey, Court, Chris here. Um, how was um, the turnover rate when you were a writer? Uh, when we hear, you know, they have 20-something writers, and some leave all the time, this, that, and the other. How was the turnover rate when you were there, and do you think it's still a, a similar rate now? Hmm. Uh, it, it's going to always going to be a turnover. There's always going to be a turnover uh, there because just it's a tough job, and a lot of writers that they're recruiting from LA, they're they're not used to that travel, and the culture is so different, and the language and, uh, of wrestling, and it's something not easy to absorb, especially if you're not a necessarily a diehard fan, uh, mm -hmm. and it's just there's a lot of there's a political dynamic at play. Uh, sometimes you just you don't do good work. Sometimes it's you get burned out quickly. There's so many variables, or you piss off the wrong guy, or whatever. Um, or from the WWE's end, it's just they don't feel you're a good fit. Or 
they'll bring in a maybe a high-end writer and they're like well we just we don't want to pay this guy anymore let's cut the deal <laughs> and, and, and i mean there's so many reasons for guys coming and going they've brought i've seen them bring in incredibly talented writers that uh and, and that ran shows they were showrunners for major shows on fox tv and, and major cable shows and they're really successful talented people and it just didn't work uh and i, I i've seen them bring in guys that were like uh dave kapoor uh who was running the same he actually was a uh i think he worked for cnet as a blogger or something like that a reviewer and that was his job prior to becoming a WWE writer. And I was thinking at the time, this guy's never going to last. He didn't have a lot of product knowledge. He he just he just didn't seem like he was a good culture. He was going to be a good fit for it because he just he didn't have that aggressive energy that a lot of the people that had success in WWE had. Yet he outlasted me and is still there. Wow. <laughs> 11 years later, I think. So wow. what the hell do I know? I mean, it's that's, so you just never know what's going to click. You never know if it's going to be a good fit for you. Every case is a different story. It really is. Um, so it's, there's no real hard rules for how to succeed as a creative team member. You just never know. Wow, I, I used to work at CNET, so maybe there's even hope for me. Hey, go, um, to, go to careers.wwe.com right now. <laughs> so I'm the TV producer, and I'm a bit of a TV nerd. Uh, I mean, any names that people might recognize as far as showrunners? I'm assuming like Vince Gilligan didn't have a stint in the WWE at some oh, point. Oh, no. Um, there was, I can't think of his name right now, but there was a guy that uh, was really close with, um, not 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 Chris Nolan, but the one of the writers for the, the, the old uh, Dark Knight trilogy, uh, and he's done a few other shows. Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he, he this guy worked a lot with him. Uh, he did Blade. He did a bunch of those movies. He was really successful. Oh, he, David, it, David Goyer? Yeah, it, it was David Goyer's like lieutenant in terms of all his writing rooms, this guy. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I can't remember his name. It was David something, but he was a really talented guy, really kind of in towards the dark stuff and uh, was a real cool guy to hang with, but it just wasn't, you know, I, for him, it may, I think it might have been just living in Stanford was like, yeah. okay, I just couldn't do it. And that's part of it, too. It's like, you know, living in Connecticut. I always love, I love Connecticut, but, you know, it's not for everyone. It's, it's And that's part of it, too. Um, there was guys like Larry Mullen, who was an amazing, he's a sweetheart of a guy, still one of my friends to this day. Uh, he ended up, he was an exec producer on Knight Rider, Chips. Beverly, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Be not Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills 90210, uh, and a bunch of other shows. And he was an awesome dude, you know, and this was kind of like a bucket list item for him. So it's like, it was a very eclectic group of people. We had one guy that was a weatherman you know, in the Carolinas, and inexplicably, he was a now writer for WWE. Um, wow. Oh, Freddie Big Prince Friday. Jr. was there? Freddie, yeah. Prince, Freddie Prince was there, who's a diehard fan and is a uh, uh, on Star Wars Rebels, one of my son's favorite shows. Uh, right. And who was, who was that stand-up comic that was there for like a few weeks? And he passed away since then. Chris O'Neill, an awesome, yeah. very talented guy. He was a huge, huge wrestling fan. And uh, yeah, just uh, it, sometimes it's chemistry with, with Stephanie. And I, I, I had bad chemistry with Stephanie, great chemistry with Vince. And it's like that can make it very weird. And for Patrice, that, you know, for him, it was too much, I guess. Um, I mean... 
The alumni meetings we have every Sunday in the basement at the church down in Stanford, Connecticut, are great meetings for all those writers. It's uh, we have a uh, kind of like a group therapy session. Everyone's welcome to join <laughs> in if they want. Uh, getting a question in the chat from Mike. Uh, uh, I can't. Uh, Rovelida um, asking about working when you worked with WWE on SmackDown. It had such an amazing roster back then with Mysterio, Batista, yeah. Booker T, Undertaker, Edge. Uh, he mentioned JBL, but <laughs> uh, what was it like working with that that kind of talent? They were very. Um, it was a different culture, you know. It was different when you looked at Eddie and. Uh, JBL and Chris Benoit and some of the guys we had, um, it was old school and Undertaker too. I mean, they really, compared to the WWE locker room, I thought it was a little bit more old school. It was very, there was definitely a pecking order. And it wasn't like a political thing, but it was just very old school. And there was wrestler support on the SmackDown side. I don't think it was on the uh, Raw side, really. And, uh, you know, that was an interesting thing. But, we they were they were they had a lot of pride in in, in kind of competing uh, as a team against Raw and had a lot of pride in in, in uh, what they did and I remember when Batista came over at first he saw this interpreted it as they they traded John Cena to Raw and he went to SmackDown after having an amazing run a really huge run did huge ratings did a great buy rate WrestleMania 21 uh, with Triple H they moved him over shortly thereafter to around June of 2005 to, to SmackDown. He saw it as a demotion. And at first he was really upset, but by the end of his run of SmackDown, uh, man, he, he really did believe the SmackDown blue. He really was part of that team. And uh, there was a sense of pride. And the guys like MVP who came up through SmackDown uh, learned a lot from Undertaker and guys like Chris Benoit. So it was a very close locker room. And we were really in a position of kind of like we, as the B show at the time, really, no one would say that publicly, but it was, it was understood. Uh, we, we had the, the freedom to take a lot of the younger talent from OVW and Deep South and bring them up and develop them. And that really was a great opportunity for us to create new characters and keep the show fresh, but also for the young guys to be able to work with the likes of Taker, work with Chris Benoit, work with... Uh, just a who's who, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, uh, and, it, and it was very beneficial. So we were blessed with a great roster that made our job infinitely easier. Yeah, and someone's asking about CM Punk. He was signed around that time, 2005, he went to OVW. Uh, do you know who was kind of responsible for bringing him in? And I remember hearing like Triple H was uh, not a big fan early on. Uh, he had had several tryouts, and I remember was, I was about – I think it's one of his last trials where he was signed was when I I had just been with the company for maybe four or five months and we were out in the Midwest and uh, I think he had done maybe uh, a tryout in Green Bay or something like that uh, and John Lauren I signed him he thought it was a good good get and then he went and was assigned to OVW and there was a few different ideas to bring him in one of those ideas was to bring him in uh, as like an eighties. Almost like a like the rockers, like a, just like a like a eighties rocker gimmick. It was weird, and he was going to be paired with uh, Mickey James in that version. And it was like a real baby face, high five, big smile, wear eighties rock gear stuff. And they just uh, you know again, it was just someone had an idea, and you know that one thankfully 
Vile was tried on, on a few dark sh uh, dark matches for TVs. Uh, never made uh, air, thankfully. And then uh, he almost ended up on SmackDown. I pitched and pushed for him on SmackDown. Uh, and ultimately, uh, Paul Heyman had the uh, opportunity to put him on ECW. And I thought, in the end, I thought that probably worked out the best because uh, to work with Paul one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and, and Paul really didn't have much of a roster, that made CM Punk instantly a priority. And Paul was able to very easily decode CM Punk and get a lot out of CM Punk. And I thought that was a win-win. So uh, in the end, uh, wrestling destiny worked out pretty good for, for Punk and how he ended up going, uh, being a big fish in the small pond in ECW and then transitioning over to Raw, I guess, from there, but SmackDown, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, real quick before you go, I don't know how inside the numbers you can go on this, but uh, describe like just a typical day in the life on the road of a, of a WWE writer. Sure. Um, so you now it's a little different. When I was there, we would take the uh, WWE corporate jet with Vince McMahon, go over the script, fine-tune the script, uh, give a final polish, or almost a final polish, uh, arrive at the airport, take a limo with Vince to the arena, go into the production meeting, dragging your bags, which you carry the whole time, uh, and uh, do production meeting with agents and Kevin Dunn. And then you, you maybe fine-tune the last time uh, some, some of the promos, some of the finishes. Uh, agents give a lot of insight and feedback on finishes that could work for where we try to take stuff. And uh, from there, we break, we fine-tune the scripts. We're all signed individual segments at that time. The shows were ah, only two hours in length, which was awesome. Uh, and so we, you know, someone would be in charge of something, you know, a more seasoned, experienced writer would be in charge of something more challenging and on live TV, where some of the younger guys or your writer's assistant might just be in charge of, okay, we're going to film Batista or Undertaker getting ready and going to the ring. You see him walking backstage. And so you're assigned based on experience and skill set. And uh, a lot of the, like, the, the new guys or the young guys would be paired up with a, a veteran. Um, I had the privilege of working with Bruce Pritchard, who was phenomenal at being just so smooth, so cool under pressure, and also being accessible to ask questions. I remember being so nervous about him, around him because this is Brother Love, this is Bruce Pritchard, the right-hand man of Vince McMahon. Uh, so I didn't want to fuck up in front of him, but I learned quickly he was such a great source of knowledge and would you just see how calm he is with these high-pressure situations with a very demanding boss. Uh, and it helped because it kept the crew, the camera crew, the sound guy, the lighting guy calm too. And so you could, even today, I'm th I think back to those days and I learned something from my time with Bruce. Uh, so you'd, then you'd, you'd, you'd work and do pre-tapes from, you know, uh, two to five o'clock maybe in the afternoon or three to five o'clock before doors open. You might be involved with rehearsal out in the ring before doors, doors open, you know, work usually with Vince or, Hunter or Stephanie on that with a headset and walk a talent out. And those rehearsals can be anything. It can be an in-ring promo. It can be a proposal. It can be Kane ripping through the mat and dragging someone underneath. It could be someone that's new to the company that they, they're terrified doesn't know how to walk to the ring, so they'll rehearse them going to the ring. Uh, it could be a lot of things. And uh, then you try to squeeze in maybe 20 minutes to eat and catering. And whatever's left in catering, because the boys have gone through catering, there's not a lot. Uh, then you, you uh, take a little break. And then uh, if you're 
if you don't have something for a few hours, you can just chill or work on the next day's show. And uh, if you're not working on the next day's show, you're working on the next week's pitches and that you'll go over later in the week. And then you're breaking and then going and doing live Raw from or live SmackDown from 8 until it's over. Uh, and it's all hands on deck. Someone might ask uh, you know, for help on something and you have to scramble and get in a place and take care of something or go to run to the production truck. So it all can vary. And then once the show's over, you get the code word that you can leave the building because there's a code word and you get that on your walkie talkie and then you uh, roll out and jump in the car with whoever you're driving with and get on to the next town. Or if you have the benefit, taking the limo, jumping on the plane and flying for a few minutes to the next town and uh, getting there you know, way in advance of everyone else and going to bed and having a full night of sleep. You just never know how it's going to go. Uh, now I understand 99.9% of the writers fly commercial. Uh, they do not have access to Vince or that time on the plane, which was very precious. Uh, and so uh, it's changed a little bit. Now, some writers prefer flying commercial. You know, again, it's, it's a preference. Um, I always liked any time I could get with the chairman. It was precious either to pitch him something or to uh, just have that FaceTime. So he remembers who I am, for God's sakes. But um, I once had – it was a rib, but I was, I was probably only in the company for a few weeks, or maybe not, maybe well, a few weeks, and we were doing a show out in Las Vegas, and the whole creative team had flown, had gone out in advance because they wanted to spend some time in Vegas. I'm the new guy, so I didn't, I didn't get asked. I didn't get invited, and uh, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I just heard like the day before, oh, uh, they're all out in Vegas, so uh, they'll meet you out there. They'll be flying on the jet. Don't worry. I said, okay, well, that's cool. I get on the jet, and it's just Vincent and Linda. Wow. Wow. And I flew from Westchester Airport here in New York to Las Vegas with Linda and Vince and no one else. And Vince says, well, let's go over the show. We went over every TV show that week and the following week, and he had changes. He asked for my suggestions. I'm only in the company now for a few weeks, a cup of coffee, and this is like a surreal moment. And it was fantastic because, again, I had this rare, precious opportunity to learn from Vince but also pitch Vince. And uh, it was it was amazing. And then I get to the we get to the uh, hotel and right away we want to like, because Vince is always about getting things going. We there's no time by the pool. He goes let's let's go meet with the creative team and you can bring them up to speed on what we went over. Now I'm the new kid and I just flew across country with Vince and everyone's now hearing from me all the changes to their script. They weren't happy. <laughs> as of, as the first sentence is coming out of my mouth, I went oh no. This this really was a rib, wasn't it? This is is this good or is this bad for my career? I don't know, but uh, it, it, you know it was it was a special time to be in the company. It was a different time, and being able to have the opportunity to work and, and collaborate with guys like like Vince, like Eddie and Pat Patterson when Pat was there, more hands on, and Bruce and Paul Heyman and Dusty and Ted DiBiase. I mean, I, it was such a, a such a such a treat. It really was. I, I cherish those days. Yeah. And now you got MLW one shot coming up. Uh, you announced the main event this week, Ricochet versus yes. Shane Strickland. That should be fantastic. Um, how, how long had you been working on this main event? Well, um, one shot is something that we, we've been thinking about for a while. And after uh, WrestleMania out in Orlando, we're like, man, maybe we should just do it once and, and get it out of our system and have some fun and just deal with the fun team of guys that we've 
collaborated with maybe not on a wrestling show or maybe in the past, but not together in doing something like this. And uh, very quickly it came together. And uh, Ricochet, who to me is one of, if not the best out there and is a top level free agent, kind of like in a lot of ways today's LeBron or throwback style Jordan in terms of just being a great competitor, just at, in the, just entering his peak, his prime. And uh, it's just a great athlete that just breaks gravity when he goes out there and wrestles, whether it's from New Japan or on a tour in Mexico, Peru, or Europe. He's all over the place. He's so busy. He told me he's working more internationally now than he is in the States. Just There's such demand in such weird, random pockets like Peru. Um, it's just crazy when you think about how you know people are finding out about Ricochet all over the place. And uh, James Tricklett, who's phenomenal, and he's done – just amazing stuff. This has been a great breakout year for Strickland. Uh, and he's done great things in the Defy out in Seattle, which is a phenomenal company uh, that Matt Farber's involved with. And he's worked with CZW. And you can just see, just he's so good. And he was actually on one of our podcasts, the uh, VIP Lounge with the MVP. And I was listening to the show. I was like, dude, this guy sounds like he's been WWE for a few years. He's so polished as a doing media. Just I couldn't believe it. And uh, I, I just been watching all of his stuff and just – you know, just to see Shane Strickland and not be limited by the kill shot gimmick, but be his true self with his swerve persona is so cool. Uh, and I thought, man, this is a great match. I think these guys are just going to crush it. And when you book great talent, it makes my job easier. So <laughs> was, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to always go for the easier path. And those guys were just awesome, so why not? And I just really want to showcase this generation and these two guys – one, uh, have that breakout year coming up, and the one that's kind of like always raising the bar to showcase those two in a match, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, we actually started filming our uh, mini-doc series last week, MLW 360, where we're going to chronicle their journey going into their main event, kind of with the tone of uh, the 24-7 stuff that HBO's done over the years for boxing. And uh, we're experimenting. We're, we're, seeing if the, we're seeing how this is going to work, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, their journeys, their true journeys are a real cool story. It's not like this scripted crazy stuff where, you know, it's going to be some nonsense. It's, you're going to get to know these guys on a very real level. And I, I think it will translate into some fun, quick little uh, digital shorts on our YouTube channel. Awesome. Well, definitely looking forward to that. I think it would be a fantastic event. It's Thursday, October 5th. Yes. MLW One Shot, Ricochet versus Shane Strickland in the main event. Tickets are available now at mlw.eventbrite.com. It's at the Guilt Nightclub in Orlando. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks so much, Court. And also, uh, tell us what's coming up on MLW Radio. Sure. No, thank you guys so much. It's always great to jump on with you guys. It's great to see you when we uh, come by. Uh, WrestleMania weekend, we always get together and stuff. But yeah, we have a lot going on at MLWRadio.com right now. A new MLW Radio is out with MSL and Rich Bukini, the former Rich Brennan from NXT. They do uh, our flagship show. J.J. Dillon now has a show out on MLW every week uh, called the J.J. Dillon Show. Very creative title, but it's a fun <laughs> show. Uh, they're looking at the art of booking a territory, and it's really cool, very insightful. And of course, uh, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. They have Fully Loaded 98 out, which looks a lot at um, Sable and a very interesting show. And Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. It's a comedic take on wrestling. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Moody have a show. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, they're looking at WrestleMania 5 this week. So. Nice.
And, and speaking of which, that Sean Mooney's interview uh, that I recently did is going to be out this week as well, uh, part of it, and the rest next week. But uh, thanks again, Court. Check it out, mlwradio.com, MLW One Shot. Tickets are on sale, mlw.eventbrite.com. Thursday, October 5th in Orlando at the Guild Nightclub. And, uh, Court, we'll, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks, thanks as always. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks. <clears throat> Cool. So now that Court and Roger are going to be hopping off, we got Jesse Collins joining uh, me and Chris, and we're going to talk about SmackDown Live for last yeah. night. And Jesse's having a couple of technical oh. issues, so he, he'll, he should be on shortly. But uh, oh, I'm God. halfway through SmackDown. It, it was <laughs> way better than anything on TV this week. I'm going to finish it now. But uh, you guys take care. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, well, hey, Raj. Uh, before you go, what are you hearing about uh, Jericho being back, given that surprise last night? Was that a one-off, or is he in for a while? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think he's done touring for now. Um, you know, he he had signed a new contract earlier this year. So him saying the stuff with uh, the, the stuff about not coming back anytime soon, uh, he might be done with wrestling. I figured it was kind of BS. He does have a couple dates in September uh, touring and in October. But other than that, it's, it's not anything too busy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a great surprise. But I mean, he lost. He was pinned in the main event, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is odd, and you know, if he is back, to have him be the one to take the fall in his first match back. So yeah. I'm not sure. It could have been just a one-off surprise, or uh, we'll we'll find out soon. Yeah. Ooh, Fozzie's coming to Sacramento in October. I legitimately might have to go to that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Should be fun. Cool, man. All right, guys. Take care. Okay. Right. So, uh, as we mentioned, Chris Jericho showed up last night on uh, SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Interesting show um, opened up with Kevin Owens coming out, uh, interrupted by AJ Styles, interrupted by Chris Jericho, setting up their main event later later in the evening. Chris, I don't know about you, man, but this is when I was just like, oh, thank God, they're giving us something. I, I, like, I don't know how planned this was with Jericho, but it almost felt like they knew they needed very quickly to... Yeah, that, see, see, here's my theory. Okay, so we, we've heard the rumors and the rumblings that they changed the styles and Owens finish from Sunday, like yeah. mid-match, right? I think what happened is Chris Jericho texted Vince and said, I'll be there Tuesday. <laughs> and then, oh, let's change the finish. That way Styles can get it back um, on Tuesday. I mean, heck, who knows? But what was really cool about it is we're, as, as wrestling, we're very good at what we do. You have are these we? different, yes, no. yes, we are. We we had I talked about in, in the news gathering oh, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Wrestling Geek is a website is fantastic. Yes. You know? Okay, not not necessarily yeah. us. Let's yeah. let's not yeah. turn our own horn here. But the website and the news gathering we're, we're very good at that. Yeah. We did not get an inkling that Chris Jericho was coming back. Because and he knows that, how to that, do that, it. that was exactly and he did that last time too. The last two returns from him have been complete surprises and nobody has gotten out. I mean it's it's been very, very well done. And you heard the pop from the crowd. And this, you know, Richmond, Virginia, not necessarily a huge market by any means, but the roof came off the, the arena. I mean, it was a legitimate surprise. And it was just, it was good to see him list in, in scarves in tow. Um, and the pop yeah, two was two scarves. Two scarves doubled up there. Doubled up there. No, it was great, man. Um, so yeah, that was a very welcome surprise to start off SmackDown Live last night. And went from that into, and we'll talk about the main event, uh, coming up, but, uh, went from that into Nakamura versus Baron Corbin. Um, is it, has this done anything for you, this entire feud? Well, this is the match they should have done Sunday. Um, I mean, 
I get that their pay-per-views, they want some screwy finishes. It's designed to get some people over, and I guess they wanted to get the vicious, viciousness of Corbin over on Sunday with the with the low blow and taking him out. But uh, this this is the match they should have had Sunday, in my opinion. It was much better than their uh, match on Sunday, and you know, Corbin showed very well here. Nakamura looked more like him in his NXT self in this match to me. It's like they, they took the leash and loosened it just a little bit to get us back interested um, on his persona, his you know facial expressions, and honestly, his moveset because uh, he was much more violent in his knees and um, you know strikes and everything in this match. I mean, this is, this is the guy that I thought I would have seen from day one on the main roster. Yeah, you know, I just, I would really like for this feud to be done and them to move on to something else. Uh, I see everyone getting excited about the announcement last night. The next week, we're going to have Cena versus Nakamura on SmackDown. I fully expect Baron Corbin to interfere yep. with this before mm-hmm. Nakamura even makes it to the ring. Oh, oh, really? That early? Oh, because they've done it already. That, that's been their play. Corbin is a ramp attacker, not a mid-match attacker. Right, but they're not going to even let us... Uh you know, even wet our appetite just, just a little bit. No, we're not going to get to see this match at all. I don't know. As much as I would like to hear Cena loudly call this match on the fly. Um, I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe uh, not next week. So get, don't get your hopes up folks. Uh, let's see what happens. Um, so Charlotte and Becky Lynch versus Lana and Tamina. What in the hell was going on during commentary with this? Why don't they just, why didn't commentators come right out and say it with what they're insinuating about Lana and Tamina the entire time? I think it was weirder the way that they kept alluding to it last night. Oh, they were tiptoeing through the tulips for sure um, with, with this whole issue. But man, it's, it's so, it's not necessarily risque because they're not portraying it as such yet. Look what they um, did with James a decade ago. You know? Right, right. But I mean, can they really go that far with the storyline as far as going to the, the, the more decorated, I guess you could call, is that a good, uh, good adjective to, to describe the storyline um, and their relationship, I guess you could say. What was but, Meltzer's quote? Uh, there's something very orange is the new black about this. Ah, that, yeah. that's actually probably pretty accurate. Um, yeah. But honestly, I think this is built to turn Lana Babyface as a sympathetic babyface who's, the blonde and the good looking girl. And is she going to wrestle her way into people's hearts? No. Um, and her, her ring gear has gotten more conservative every time she's gone out. Have you noticed that? Well, because that first pay-per-view, good Lord, boys became men during that pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, and you know, boys, two men would back backtrack her, you know, entrance uh, if they need yeah, to, absolutely. but, um, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but no, it, this was a little better showing from Lana. You know, she was getting the whole "you can't wrestle" chant, but yeah, that was we haven't heard that in a while. No, but isn't that kind of the point that mm. Tamina does all the wrestling, and we know that she's not that good because they've played it in the story. You know that she doesn't deserve to be in the same ring as me. This, that, and the other. I'm like, isn't that kind of the point of the gimmick, though? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I thought Charlotte and Becky looked great last night. I thought uh, that worked out really well with them getting the win. Oh, absolutely. And really no seeds planted on um, a bestie turning on another one. So I guess they're going uh, a little more long-term with that. That has to be a few down the road, right? They got to do something, especially, I I think they're going to do something at SummerSlam, maybe with two of the UFC women, with Charlotte and Becky. I think it makes 
a lot of sense. I mean, this is just pure conjecture, but yeah. it, seemed, it seemed weird they would leave Charlotte out of SummerSlam. And then with Becky, I think that they know they have a built-in fan favorite. I mean, why not have a tag match if that thing with Becky and Chris Cyborg actually ends up coming yeah. to fruition? Um, because, and, and it'll be funny too, because it'll be higher on the card, I think, than Natalia versus Naomi, even if Carmella cashes in. Right, right. No, and, and they teased the crap out of that too, and so did Carmella, but I'm sure we'll get to that little promo segment in just a moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, that match was good last night, but then, okay. So yeah, Tamina and Lana, their little, uh, tiff after, um, Jinder comes out, demands an opponent for SummerSlam and, uh, John Cena comes out and, you know, they got the face off, uh, setting it up, setting up, uh, that match for Cena to challenge Jinder. What did you think of that last night? What did you think about the little more referential Cena, even referencing the super Cena? Oh, I love self-aware Cena. That was fantastic. Um, now they did try to swerve us for like a whole 30 seconds. Oh, I'm not here to challenge you. I'm, you know, we've never formally met this, that, and the other, you know, um, you know, and I'm just so proud of you. You, you yeah. hold the title with pride and do whatever you have to do. They were trolling us for a good 30 seconds. And I'm like, just get to the point guys. Like yeah. we, we, we see where it's going. The, the music hit that we thought would hit, um, you know, so that's, uh, it was the best I think the Mahal has looked behind the mic because he did have he did have a little better dancing partner, um, so yeah. to speak. So I thought Mahal looked a little more comfortable and stepped his game up on the mic a little bit with Cena. So that was nice to see. Yeah, and it was good to see that the Singh brothers played off the injuries and you know it was actually a one on one interaction with Cena. To me, that showed that there's a little more clout there, a little more confidence there. So I, I like that aspect of it. Totally. Um, random match of the night, Ty Dillinger and Sami Zayn versus Aiden English and Mike Kanellis. Uh, with Mike Kanellis eating the pin again, uh, was Sami Zayn winning? That was actually no, pardon a me. really English, good... English ate the pin, but Sami won again. That was what was noteworthy about this. That's true. Um, but, okay, two, two things to take away from this for me. Out of, out of a random tag match, um, English still pretty good. But yeah, sure. Ty, still very over. Absolutely. But, A, are they going to do anything with Canellis? Like, is that going to be a thing? Or is it just going to be these four kind of trading wins at the bottom of the card with each other for the next two months? And here's the thing. I don't know if you listen to Monday night. Because, Chris, I know when you're not on, you're just passionately listening to everything that happens on this podcast. Absolutely. Especially what Matt Morgan has to say. Um, he changed. He personally changed the rating of this podcast, if I remember oh, correctly. Oh, good Lord. That was explicit plus. <laughs> On Monday night. Uh, that was crazy. And I, love, I love Raj's reaction. Fans of the podcast, if you watch this on YouTube, just watch Raj's face every time Matt just lets go with a string of profanity. Um, you know, that's, that's for the real insiders. Uh, but I think we nailed what this gimmick needs to be, which is that this is power of love thing, but then Maria gets really, you know, worked up and turned on seeing Mike be super violent and vicious. Mm -hmm. I think, and they we had a glimpse of that with, the vase uh, over Sammy's head three weeks ago. Right. We had a glimpse of that, and they've walked it back since then. And I think, for me, I turned a corner thinking about it that way and their theme song, because I don't know if you've listened to their entire theme song, which I now have multiple times, and it is a very specific parody of late 80s, early 90s, the tail end of hair metal power oh, balance that we are seeing, um, even with the lyrics and everything. And I think this could actually kind of work if they just tweaked it a little bit 
mm -hmm. and gave them the motivation. If they took it away from the love part, that that was the facade, but really it was about, you know, uh, what was the Raj saying? Like Mickey and Mallory, the, the th you know, violent spree, thrill kill attitude, mm -hmm. um, I think would absolutely pull this out of a nosedive. Sure. I mean, there's still a chance to salvage it. Uh, I, I don't see why it's completely dead because I think both Mike and Maria have sustained that they can, they have the acting chops. They've both been in the ring before. Um, Mike, not my favorite worker in the world, but he's sufficient. Um, and then Maria can do a little bit in the ring, maybe not a ton anymore. Um, was never fantastic to really begin with, but she, uh, she could mix it up if need be. So, I mean, the gimmick, itself in theory works it's just like you said has to take a slightly different direction but i thought this match to have not much story involved in it at all except the two feuds um was actually really good that ending sequence was was kind of fun absolutely um with this with the toss um from dillinger to the corner and then sammy following following him up with the haluva kick um uh, that, that was a good little match do you think Vince even cared who won this match or this was just oh, God, like, no. you guys just do whatever you want with this. And that's why I said, no, this, that's the reason I said, Hey, welcome to your nine twenty two filler tag match. Yeah. It's good. I, hey, Sammy's Sammy's on a roll, man. Could this we is... use them as a tag team? Could we, could we randomly? Yeah. That's really random. They were fun together though. That was yeah. good. Sammy and Ty, I think, you know, it, it, it would literally be uh the Mark's favorite, you know? Or the Smarks favorite. Right. Uh, you know, um, I don't think anyone would complain about that. But yeah, I don't I don't feel any uh, momentum on, on this part of the card as we head towards SummerSlam. A yeah. uh, little bit of a swerve last night with the uh, New Day coming out mid before they even got out of uh, the gate there, hitting the entrance, beat down by the Usos. So mm -hmm. strap in, folks, that feud ain't over. Um, and and I'm perfectly okay with that. And, you know, we've seen the attack on the ramp. We've seen the attack in the ring to attack Big E mid intro from the back. That was, that was creative. I've never thought about it that way. Cause usually it kind of sounds like a pre-tape. Yeah. Um, and it still may have been obviously, but um, they, they played it all very well. That's just a, a new thing. There's like, Oh, let's go to gorilla and knock out Big E with a microphone and then take out the totally. other two at the same time. So that, that was unique. Yeah. Um, no fashion files last night. That was the only thing that made me sad. Yeah. It, like, like the show was really good besides that. I'm like, guys, I guess season two starts next week. I hope. Let's hope. I pray. Let's see. Prepare to be disappointed with that reveal. <laughs> but, but the chase to the reveal is great. Um, Nakamura last night. Good, good promo. This is the type of promo that Nakamura needs. Short, sweet. It you know pegged on John Cena's catchphrase, and he he was able to show his personality in less than two sentences. Yeah, that's all he needs to do. Absolutely, they they nailed that last night. Um, and then the triple threat main event: AJ versus Jericho versus Kevin Owens. Some great spots in this match. Mm -hmm. Big surprise aside from Jericho being back is that AJ's got the title back. You think they're going to hot potato this and make that the angle? Well, it is uh, the potato is currently baking, so yeah. it, it is warm and toasty at this point. I mean, I, I like the move to put it back on Styles because, and I think we skipped over this maybe possibly oh, yeah. by mistake, was the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon interaction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's from talk last about night. that. that uh, was, because um, that almost feels summer slammy to me at this point. Slammy. KO versus uh, Shane? Book it? 
I mean, w- why not? Yeah. I mean, AJ and, and Shane was good, and you know, Shane McMahon, Babyface, uh, Helicopter Crash Survivor, awesome. you know, uh, all this, that, and the other. He's now sort of back in the the limelight for a moment. So, if it's a big pay per view, you can normally get on it if he's active. So, I don't see why little mid show match for ten minutes. Yeah. Maybe, although SummerSlam, this card is getting out of control. A little bit. But, you know, we have six hours to kill. It's okay. They just need to make a two-day event at this point. Why not? It's summer. It's at the end of summer. It would be great. You know? That's true. You you could. No, the old Saturday night main event plus um, a a whole Sunday thing, too. That that would be something. If they could rent out a stadium for two days and sell it out both days. I mean, that, that would be something. Well, last year they did the concert that was a tie-in. So, I mean, why not go Friday, Saturday, Sunday? They do it on WrestleMania weekend because of Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So why not add in that extra night, especially when it, it looks like there's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I think uh, the stuff I've seen online, people are already tallying up the matches, and I think we're already, you know, at eight. Expect oh, I matches. mean, WrestleMania was – how many 13 something like that i mean it was it was it's going to easily be in the double digits once everything gets booked but uh the show is shaping up to be good i think smackdown is going to get the short end of the stick again um as oh. we've talked about before so i mean it's going to be a very raw heavy show but I, I don't see why the smackdown matches that are going to be made you know your styles matches your even if they put nakamura corbin on there i hope they stray from that somehow um, before SummerSlam, but if they do that again, that probably will be there. Um, you know, your styles and somebody, um, it, it, and then you got your heavyweight championship match, probably the tag match. So they might get what four, five matches max, and then you'll have a women's match too. So, yeah, and last I year, think your your SmackDown card is already kind of set at this point. Yeah, maybe. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll do something in her brand. We'll see what happens. Uh, show ended last night with Owens uh, trying to set up a rematch with Styles for next week. And last night, if you paid attention to the Twitter and the internet, uh, Daniel Bryan it was supposed to be on Tout, but he debuted the first episode of Smacking Talk uh, mm. on his Twitter last night, two and a half minutes along with the big reveal that Chad Gable was Daniel Bryan's son. Yeah, uh, you know, best of luck to them. I think Brie Bella said that she would be um, happy to be a good stepmom to Gable. Um, you know, Birdie has a big brother now. So congrats to the family. That was uh, very heartfelt. But in all seriousness, this is – all right, so we had the sit-down interview with Renee and Chad last week, right? Uh-huh. This, this is what I think we should have seen. They should have made a playful um, story with this because Gable was – personable he was funny during this yeah this this is i yeah. know uh, but it, it's it could have been a lot more entertaining i mean it he could have played the imminent shock that his partner now has a hall of fame father but could have showed a little more personality in it too because it was just way too serious and somber for me last week yeah um daniel bryan gives zero f's and it is fantastic and, Zero, uh, and I bet you, uh, I bet you, he had to say, Renee, Chad, um, I'll take the heat for this. You tell him that <laughs> that I made you do this. Yep. You know? And Renee, yeah, yeah. Re- exactly. And Renee back on Raw, so no more talking smack. So she's pulling double duty. Um, so that that's good to see because she brings out the best in a lot of people that she interviews. She's just so good at her job. She asks the right questions, 
drags an answer out of somebody that might not be comfortable. So uh, glad to see her utilized on, on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Crazy. So last night's SmackDown, return, slight return to form over uh, yeah. Sunday. Compared to Sunday night, God, last night was Did, did, did you accept this as an apology for Battleground? I thought last night's SmackDown was really, really good. Um, it was the best SmackDown has been in a while. And mm-hmm. we'll see where they go from here. I mean, I think, look, separating Orton and Jinder, super smart. Um, and I'd like to see more of that. I mean, I want to see more of the reset button. Jericho was a much needed shot in the arm to KO and AJ. They just got to change this up. I mean, it's tough as a fan when you feel like you're just watching the same thing week in and week out, especially with a month to the next pay-per-view. Um, and one where SmackDown is probably not going to be serviced as well as it could be. Right. Um, so they got to keep us interested. For sure. And I think we're also going to get a rematch between Owens and Styles next week. Owens um, you know, made his um, rematch stipulation for next week. So I think that'll be another good match. And hopefully, unless it sparks something for SummerSlam, if Jericho comes back and interferes again or, or whatever – Hopefully that's the um, the end of that feud, and there's a considerable period at the end of that sentence. Hopefully even an exclamation point, and uh, we can move on for SummerSlam. So, I mean, they give us reasons to watch next week. What yeah. a novel concept. And like you said, are we going to get Nakamura and Cena? Maybe, maybe not. really weird to do that on SmackDown with zero, with one-week build. Right, but... What do we all complain about? Yes, I know it's a huge like dream match on the quote-unquote free TV. Last time I checked, my cable bill, not free. Um, <laughs> so they, they almost look at, I think, their weekly shows and pay-per-views one and the same because there's only 10 bucks a month now, right? So I, I don't think they see that much difference in it. And, and for those that did not like this pairing on quote-unquote free TV, we always complain about not – having stakes in a match or having big matches on television. That's the run of the mill type stuff. This is different. It's a big fight feel. And the winner goes on to face um, for, for the heavyweight championship at SummerSlam. So this is all of a nice little bow wrapped up for us that, that we kind of have been looking for and people still are dissonant. And that one I don't get, and I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, we're wrestling fans, man. We like to complain. Uh, But no, I think uh, it'll be good to see next week what happens. All in all, good return to form for SmackDown Live. And uh, with that being said, man, we're at about an hour. We should probably wrap things up. Chris, uh, let people know where they can find you on the interwebs. You guys can find me at knockdown underscore radio. And if you're on the video chat, you can see it on the nice little lower third there. Follow me there. um, And hopefully we'll utilize the lower third a little more here in the future as well. Um, so just to look a little more official, but, uh, you know, good stuff there. Good stuff there. Trying to get Matt Morgan on a lower third. That's going to be something, um, on Mondays. So, but either way, uh, find me on the wrestling Inc. Twitter Mondays and Tuesdays and pay-per-views and join me tonight at 8 PM Eastern for the NXT live viewing party. Popo in the chat's like, does anyone actually watch the whole six hours of SummerSlam? Oh, we do. Uh, you know tis my job tis my job a lot of people watch that stuff you want to see what exhaustion looks like look at raj giri at the end of wrestlemania and SummerSlam weekend Mm. Uh, because you know i've never seen a man more tired so until next time folks i'm glenn rubenstein and we'll see you back here on the wrestling inc podcast take care
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.